West. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duvernay, your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9 and streaming at AM 1290 KZSB, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. So, Neil, how are you doing today? It sounds like you might have a little grovel in your voice. No, are that's because this is no, no, this is because this is the first live show we've done that we're being simulcast on FM 96.9. We are Ooh, now so our, so our voices are now very, very clear. This well, is a, how are you the, the station's okay. been around for 50 or 60 years, or I don't know how long radio has been around, but now we are on FM as well as AM. I know, which is exciting. <laughs> um, so do I do I sound better? I guess not. You sound great. Thank so you. today we are thrilled to welcome to the show Evie Brooks, who is a former advanced trainer for Bad Poor Dad and a real estate edu- educator and investor and founder of My Panama Vacation Realty. So Evie, thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate you taking you. the time. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. So before we get to our articles, I had dinner Thursday night with a friend of mine, and I mentioned casually that I thought that the Thernos verdict, uh, the Elizabeth Holmes guilty verdict, uh, was a little harsh because uh, there were very sophisticated investors involved, and the fact that uh, she was convicted of defrauding sophisticated investors, I thought, was a little bit over the top. So he said, check this out, and he threw me this book, Bad Blood, written by the Wall Street Journal writer that wrote a book two years ago exposing what in fact had happened. And the book is absolutely fantastic. It reminds me of the Enron book from 15 years ago, where a reporter also uh, created a novel-like narrative of what had happened at Enron. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because the book goes into how very sophisticated investors, this was not a public company, uh, were, were taken in uh, not so much because they were stupid, but because they didn't bother to do the diligence. They didn't bother to do the work. And when you look at what goes on today with the MEM stocks, and you look at what goes on with people who are not really particularly sophisticated with investing, they think they can go to Costco and they see a long line, they decide they can buy the stock. And I think this is a really good uh, a teaching uh, sk- a teaching moment for people to take a look at this book and to see how some of the most uh, successful and sophisticated investors in the country got bamboozled. And they got bamboozled not only because she didn't tell the truth, apparently, but because they didn't bother doing their work. Well, and I think that that's really important that you need to do your due diligence mm-hmm. with who you're working with and make sure that you trust them and make sure that what they say adds up. 
Yeah, but and that was the, by the way, that was the issue. They trusted her, but they didn't verify. I mean, she apparently was absolutely sensational. She was one of the, you know, most uh, compelling speakers and very, very smart and very attractive. So they sort of gave her a uh, a lot of leeway that you know, and you should never give anyone any leeway when you're looking at businesses. And uh, again, it's a it's a really good lesson, which leads me to my first article, which was in this weekend's Wall Street Journal, and the title of it is this year could get crazy, invest in your self-control. And what the article by Jason Swag, the intelligent investor columnist says, is that probably the most important uh, quality an investor can have, particularly in the year that's coming up, um, is to be um, uh, uh, true to your to your beliefs. And he, and he calls this discipline. And I can't agree more. Uh, it's very easy when things are going against you, uh, to stick with the program. Uh, discipline in this case is, I think, is, is defined as um, holding to your views, which supposedly is something that you're able to come up with that's, that makes sense, and not be swayed. So he gives us an example. Uh, many people are now concerned about the stock market because interest rates are going to go up, which is the general consensus. And then he goes through the last 50 years and shows that half the time when people believed that interest rates were going to change, they didn't. And well, but they have changed. So today, you know, the 10-year treasury is at 1.8, which back in July, it was at 1.5. I understand. But what he's saying is don't bet the farm and change your point of view. Um, he said, uh, you should never change your long-term course based on what feels like a short-term sure thing. And so, um, you know, it may be that your your view is, and has been that interest rates are going to go up and people have had that view for five years and they, you know, they, they should stick to that. But five, you, it's more like 20 years. Yeah, interest right. Going down. Yeah. You know, I remember buying municipal bonds 20 years ago at five and a half percent and saying, I, I want very short-term maturities because I don't want to end up, you know, getting hurt when interest rates went up. Well, money markets in 2000 were paying eight and a half percent, you know. Yeah. Well, if you want to rem- if you want to reminisce, my first house in the 70s, I paid 18% mortgage interest, but I don't want to get into that right now. And it also shows my age. I was going to say, you're telling people you're... <laughs> so the, the next article is an, another interesting article. It's entitled, IPO's Big Year Ends Low with 11th Hour Sell-Off. And <clears throat> what you know when you talk about IPOs, and particularly this year, when you talk about some of the really hot stocks, um, you think that they were all dramatically... Um, successful. Um, And the reality was that um, the statistics show that um, more than half of the IPOs are now below um, their IPO price. Uh, So with all of the talk about how IPOs are doing so well, over 50% of them are selling below what they were initially um, brought out in the public markets. I have to say that's fairly common for people to get all hyped up on IPOs and then have them go down. It's unfortunate. Well, yeah, people get hyped up on stuff that um, uh, that m- maybe they shouldn't get hopped up. And it goes back to the article before this. You know, don't get all hopped up because somebody else says this is a hot "quote unquote" stock, which again gets us back to the mem stocks. Um, 
Uh, here's an interesting article. It's entitled, A Stat That Shows How Hard It Is to Pick Market-Beating Stocks. And you know, the front page of the Wall Street Journal's business section today had a picture of three people that had the number one performance last year, which to me is a very uh, risky place to be because typically people whose face is in the category of the best performers 10 years later, they're, you know, they're looking for a job because it's very difficult to be consistent. Um, but what this article says is that um, the uh, average averages by far beat individual stocks. And um, according to the S&P, only 22% of the stocks in the S&P 500 outperform the index itself, only 22%. So if you were stock picking in the S&P, you, you had a pretty low probability of succeeding. You were much better off just buying the index. Um, the uh, S&P gained uh, over the last uh, several years, 322%, while the medium stock rose by just 63%. And the reason for that is that some of the uh, b biggest movers are you know, very big stocks. And so it, 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 it skews the results. But again, this is another sort of warning about uh, deciding to be a stock picker. Um, and quickly, um, there's a uh, article that we have in the New York Times that says private insurance bonds catch regulatory eye. Um, and uh, insurers buy uh, privately issued bonds to earn higher interest rates. Um, and what, um, what they are doing in effect, it, it, not what they're doing, what may what they may be doing. Well, let me just step back. Insurance companies buy bonds to match their expected liabilities over a 30 or 40 year period when the expectation of when they have to pay on life insurance benefits. But because interest rates are so low, they are going out and looking for ways to increase their yield. And what they've been doing is buying uh, according to this article, more and more risky securities. And so regulators are now taking a hard look at whether or not in order to increase yield, insurance companies are uh, becoming uh, too uh, dependent on bonds that could actually not be the most safe asset. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9 and streaming at 1290 KZSB and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. 
The Animal Shelter Assistance Program, also known as ASAP, saves the lives of cats and kittens in Santa Barbara County, and they have volunteer opportunities. Here's Alana Yanez. We need volunteers. We really would just love it if folks could come out two hours a week or three hours a week to help feed kitties, clean litter pans, do laundry, all the little things that need to happen to care for animals in the shelter. We really need help with that right now. We also have folks that just help with behavior work. So if you want to just help socialize these unsocialized kittens that we get lots of times, the cats really need you guys. The cats really need the people and people really need cats. You know, people really need pets to make it through the day. It's a win-win. It's a win for the animals and it's a win for the volunteers. So it's ASAP Cats. That's A-S-A-P Cats. And the address is 5473 Overpass Road. Our shelter phone number is 805-683-3368. And our website is asapcats.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you can email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. And if if you're joining us today, you have the pleasure of hearing from Evie Brooks, who is the founder of My Panama Vacation Realty, and she specializes in agricultural investments and real estate investments in Panama. So I'm excited to learn more about that. So let's take a step back to start, though. Um, Evie, what got you interested in real estate in general? Well, I actually was uh, a criminal justice major in college and got pregnant my last semester of college and by default ended up in real estate, commercial real estate management and asset management in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's how I ended up in real estate. I never looked back after getting into it. I stayed in corporate America for four years. I went out on my own as an investor after those four years, and that's all I've ever known. So then what made you decide to go ahead and you know, move from being a commercial um, investor in real estate in in the U.S. and Atlanta and kind of go into that international exposure. That was another just one of those fluke situations. I was a real estate elite educator for the Rich Dad, Poor Dad organization, and I got assigned Costa Rica as the international educator. Um, I was really interested in the Central America. I hate cold weather. So if I could find an escape for winter, I'm gone. <laughs> and that's how it happened. And I started in Costa Rica in, in uh, 2003. And I stayed there until 2012, actually. But 2008 really took a, 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 a hard hit on Costa Rica. And I was determined to stay and keep rearranging the furniture while the ship was going down. But it never really turned around during that time. And so I finally, in 2012, left, went across the border to Panama and have not looked back since 2012. And that's how I ended up in Central America and love it. And it's a a market that uh, attracts. Originally, we were focused on the expat market. But now, after COVID, it's a whole different market. It's people that's looking for Plan B, people that's looking to diversify their investments as much as the expat market. So those three things are the driving force behind why so many people are looking at Panama now. What What is Rich Dad, uh, Poor Dad? Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, real estate education. Um, many people know the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. It's been, it's renowned worldwide. It's been around since the mid 80s. 
Um, and it's, it's about real estate investing. So, but that's, that's not an organization then you, 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 what, what I think, what were you saying? You read the book and that motivated you? No, 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 no. There is an organization. Robert Kiyosaki has a real estate educational um, program. And I was an educator trainer for that organization until 2012. And so in 2012 is when you broke off on your own. Well, that's when I went to Costa Rica. Um, and I, I mean, I'm sorry, to Panama. I quit teaching in Costa Rica in 2012. I continued to teach for the Rich Dad Organization. But when I first started in Costa Rica, I started doing my own developments and my own investment projects in Costa Rica. So when I left in 2012 and went to Panama, I started focusing on moving all my investments from Costa Rica over to Panama and um, have focused on that market ever since. And there's a huge difference. Although they touch borders, um, the two countries and the two investment opportunities are drastically different. One of the things that makes uh, investors all over the world invest in stocks and real estate in America is that we have a very strong regulatory system. Um, and uh, whatever the systems are in, in Central American and South American countries, uh, they seem to be much more opaque than what we have here. How did you get comfortable with their legal system? Well, Pan Panama is very similar to the United States as far as real estate ownership. And this is not REITs and it's not, um, you know, accredited investor type of projects. It is people buying pro uh, real estate that they own, title, just like they do here in the United States. And being able to invest in Panama is actually easier. I can show somebody how to build a whole portfolio where here in the United States, because of debt to income ratios, they may not be able to, to purchase more than two, three or four properties. Where in Panama, there's no limit on how many, if they know how to go through the investment process and what developers to work with and those types of things. And that's what I've put together since I've been in Panama in, in the last 10 years is investor programs with the top most secure vetted uh, developers in Panama. And so we put together in, uh, investment programs that may be pre-construction, mid-construction, post-construction, short-term rental, long-term rental, vacation rentals, Airbnb type things, um, all the way to medical tourism type things. So we have a lot of different arenas and areas for many exit strategies. So in America, one of the benefits of owning real estate are the tax benefits. How does that translate from uh, Central America and South America to America? Can you can you take any of those depreciation uh, deductions in a, in, from your American taxes? There, there's a lot of different variations, and it's a it's a very complex type situation when you get into the tax side of it. And because I'm not a licensed uh, financial planner, CPA, I can't go into a whole lot of detail, but there are a lot of tax benefits. For example, in agricultural, you can earn up to $350,000 a year in agriculture in Panama and have no Panamanian taxes on that. So there's a lot of things that flows through to your U.S. taxes like it does um, with an S-Corp type of a situation. But as far as getting into specifics and details, um, I have to be really cautious about that because I'm not licensed to do all that. Do they have restrictions on how much money you can take out of the country if you succeed? No, they do not. Now, is that different from Costa Rica? Does Costa Rica have um, limitations? Well, I've been out of the, the Costa Rican market for well over 12 years now, um, and I'm not really sure if they've changed their laws. They did not at the time that I was there. And so how, why do you think that Costa Rica got hit so hard and Panama did not? Is it part of their regulations or 
is it just happenstance? Not at all. There is a very distinct reason why there was a, a big difference. Um, Costa Rica is a tourism only country and Panama is not. Tourism falls number five, number six, maybe number seven, depending on the year as to the revenue and the, the production of the GDP in Panama. With Panama, the GDP has been from, you know, the crash of 2008 all the way till COVID in 2020, um, you know, anywhere from an average of 6% up to 11% um, GDP. And, and that's driven by a number of different things. You've got, of course, the Panama Canal, which was the number one. And now you've got the Cobre Copper Mines, which is projected in the next 40 years to bring in more revenue than the Panama Canal. Um, you've got the construction sector, you've got the multinational marketing, uh, the multinational companies that Panama really caters to those multinational companies from around the world to come into Panama. And there's all kinds of perks and benefits and tax um, um, benefits that's accessible to those companies that bring their companies there as well as their employees. So there's just a number of different things, but Panama has a lot going for it over and above and beyond what you would find in Costa Rica. Um, did, so the, did people get scared because um, the, uh, uh, the scandals with the largest law firms uh, were involved in, you know, major international money laundering cases? Very few people, the Panama Papers is what you're referring to, and very few people really had a concern with that um, because that was on a, a whole different scale. The clientele that we work with are individual investors. Um, doctors, attorneys, statisticians, people that are looking to diversify their investments or have a different type of a plan B for retirement. And they were more concerned about their dollars being invested, what they were being invested to, or are they secure with those investments with, you know, a title on the property and those types of things. So I did not have a whole lot of issues about that. Originally, there was, you know, there was some, some fallout from it, but it was not significant. So what, what types of, you know, I'm thinking about an individual investor and what are the types of things that, that, that they're most concerned with in their first purchase abroad? Um, typically that they are getting um, an investment or a property where they are secure that that project is going to be a solid project, that they're going to um, be able to cash flow the property if they're purchasing it for long term, buy and hold. Um, you know, if they're going to have the rental market accessible to them, depending on the geographic location where they are purchasing within the country, those types of general, you know, small investor type of, of concerns are the same things that we run into. Who, who lives in these apartments? Are they local people or are they people from outside the country? But it depends on the investor and what they're looking for. Most of our investors are looking to be able to have a plan B or second home or, a, a, you know, a permanent home, a forever home in two, three, four or five years down the road. But in the interim, when they purchase it, they're wanting to rent them out and keep them occupied during that, that period of time. Most of the types of projects that we work with are high rise, very nice projects. They may be oceanfront, golf course communities, downtown Panama and the higher end districts. Um, and Primarily, our clientele is going to be um, international um, clientele, uh, renters, if you will. Um, most of them are people that are looking to have businesses there, corporations, corporate housing. Um, of course, the medical tourism is a big market for us, uh, vacation renters, uh, those types of things. And so that's the market that we really target. 
You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Remember, one less spark is one less wildfire. Have fun without the fire. In many areas, use of campfires and charcoal cookers are not allowed. Make that an advantage. Stargazing is better without firelight. Or listen to the forest at night when creatures really prowl. Hike in the moonlight with a flashlight. Bundle up and enjoy the warmth while sensing the chill that wild things feel. Make camping different this weekend and camp without a spark. The California Statewide Fire Prevention Campaign thanks you for your cooperation. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Evie, before the break, we were talking about your um, your clientele that you work with in Panama. And I, you know, it just made me think, are these people, especially during the last two years when we've all been in <laughs> various degrees of COVID lockdown, are people just purchasing these international properties sight unseen? And where exactly is your clientele from precisely? Is it more US-based or is it um, multinational? Well, my market is 70% plus the United States because that's where I do my marketing. I do not market internationally anywhere else. However, about 30% of our clientele finds us and hears about us through the different seminars and stuff that we do because I have done a lot of keynote uh, presentations around the world, everywhere from Hong Kong to Vietnam to, to Holland to London, you name it. I've done a lot of keynote presentations. But as far as direct marketing and, and that type of thing, social media marketing, everything's in the United States. So um, we have people from Israel, South Africa, Australia, Austria, you name it, all over the place um, that are clientele that finds us through one means or another. But um, as I mentioned, most of our clients, 70% plus, comes from North America, United States and Canada. Um, and um, we have had more sight unseen investors since COVID started than my entire 30 years in real estate. 
And um, the reason I believe that is, is because in, in dealing with each one of them and finding out what they're looking for, they're all looking for that plan B that I mentioned in the event that they need to leave their home country and have somewhere to go. They want to have a residency set up somewhere where they can go and they don't have to leave. And it's very easy to set up residency in, the, in Panama. Or they want to have uh, a, a situation where they can just diversify some of their funds and their, their you know, hard-earned dollars and have them invested in something that's a tangible hard asset, such as real estate. And because you do get a, a title with real estate in Panama, just like you do in the United States, um, it's an it's a easy process. They can do it all via the internet, sight and scene. Of course, they have pictures, we have videos, we show them the actual properties. Um, I have invested in, in most of all of these, these projects that we represent. I, I represent multiple different developers and multiple different projects because one size does not fit all. Um, and so um, we provide all that information to them. But again, it's, it's, they either want to have a place to go, they're looking for a retirement forever home, or they're looking to diversify their investments. And between those three things, we've had just tons of side and state investors. So in America, to buy a condominium, there's usually a prospectus or offering plan that's, that's presented to the investor that gives details that include risk factors. Is there any such regulation where there is the- not any such re- regulation. In fact, there's not even an MLS in Panama. Um, and that's very common in Central America. But what we do is because we are in, I personally own properties. I won't represent a project or a developer that I'm not personally invested with it myself. And so um, with understanding that we have you know, a great relationship with the developers and all the projects and buildings that we're in. And we are able to access all of the numbers of the sales and the rentals and all those types of things. And we do provide that to our individual investors um, based on the extent to what we have accessible to us. So when you talk to an investor, what typically do you tell them is the the return on investment if they rent it? It depends on the project and the location and the price that they paid. I mean, there's projects that you can get into, which are, you know, 700, 800 square foot, um, small oceanfront condo type of a project that are two hours away from the city. And you could pay $175,000 to $225,000 right on the ocean for those. Where if you go into the city and you have ocean view, your ocean front, um, but there's no ocean access in Panama City, you're going to, for that same type of a condo, you're going to pay in the neighborhood of $500,000 for it. So it depends on cash on cash return, how much do you have down, um, what you know, what you've purchased the property for and what the rental rates are. But typically on the low end, you're looking at seven to 8%. So that's the attraction in a low interest rate market. You're selling people uh, 7% returns plus a place to live in case the world comes to an end. Absolutely. But what, uh, speaking of financial risk, what about the, the value of whatever the currency is called down there versus the dollar? Their exchange rate is always an issue when it comes to foreign investing. The, the U.S. the currency is the U.S. dollar in Panama. They use the, they they actually use the dollar. Yes, that's the currency. Oh, so that takes care of that risk. Yes, it does. How's your Spanish? Uh, no, com- comprende español. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> I know that. I know that one line. You don't have to. Um, there are so many English speaking people in Panama, uh, especially in the the. Um, high expat areas and the city areas and those types of areas. I do not go further than two hours out. And if I am an hour to two hours out from the city, it's in areas that are high expat demand areas. 
And there's people that speak Spanish fluently everywhere you go from the restaurants to the grocery stores to, you know, everything that you do. So I don't have to. I've been in Central America since 2003 and I've always been surrounded with other people that speak Spanish and, and are my translators. And I just don't have to I don't have to take the time to learn it. Um, so I can speak enough to get the very basics. If I were to be out on the road by myself and I needed something, I could get the very basics just by words, but not by sentence structure. No, but if somebody wanted to live there and they are somebody who's in their 70s decided to move there, would they be able to navigate their lives without speaking Spanish? Absolutely. I just had a young lady from um, New Jersey who is 89 years old purchase a property in the Regents, uh, uh, which is a, a, a residential area down in Costa del Este. She just packed up her bags, moved to Panama, and she's there full time and is absolutely doing fabulous. I guess she wow. didn't like her grandchildren. <laughs> I don't know, but they were not happy that she did this, I can assure you. <laughs> so in order to buy, in order to buy, do something like your young lady, your 89-year-old young lady who did that, um, does she have to have citizenship? And what does that look like? And by purchasing a property, does that fast track you into citizenship in Panama? How does that work? Well, it's residency. You have to get your residency and you have to establish your residency before you can get your citizenship. And so you have to have your your residency for five years before you can transfer to citizenship. But once you have your residency, it's the same thing, only you just don't have voting rights until you become a citizen. Um, so once you've got your residency, and that's very easy, and yes, by investing in real estate, you can fast track your residency. You can get your residency anywhere from two to six months. So wait a minute. Now, so you can get residency just by owning but not living there? Yes, you can. Oh, so you don't even have to live there. You can just own You don't even have to live there. Mm -mm. Is there a dollar threshold? Um, right now, it's $200,000. It's going to jump to $300,000 for the real estate. Um, and there's many different types of real uh, investments that you can get uh, residency with. There's a forestry uh, visa. There's an agricultural visa. There's, you know, an investment visa. So there's a lot of different ways. But, but the people that we work with primarily are focusing on um, the, um, just owning real estate visa, the real estate visa. Wow. So that's, that's a, that's a lower threshold than even, um, Portugal, which is, I think $350,000. You, you purchase a property, you can work towards getting your, your passport from, um, Portugal. So given that low threshold, how do international people find you if, if they're not from the U S where you're focusing your marketing efforts? Um, I'm all over the internet. I've done many, many podcasts. I've done many, you know, uh, seminars throughout the world, as I mentioned to you. Um, and that, that is typically how we are found is through word of mouth and through our social media marketing, um, all the blogs and the podcast and the radio broadcast that we've done. Um, people find us every day. You're listening now, to you're listening to Money Talk on AM twelve ninety KCSB and FM ninety six point nine, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit thekellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act License Number 41DB0-72220. California Financial Lending Law License Number 60DB0-72528. Loan Originator NMLS Number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, Evie, before the break, we were talking about you know the ease in which you can get citizenship in Panama. So, given that you've been in residential real estate for a very long time, what made you uh, switch to promoting agricultural and smart farming investments in Pan- Panama during the pandemic? I did not switch. I, I, I do both. And I've been, I've been representing the agricultural for so, some time. But what we found during the pandemic is for people that just wanted to diversify their investments, the idea of arable land that's producing food, considering the growth of population that is and is being projected over the next 30 years, was a very enticing type of a situation. And um, I'm a dirt girl. I grew up on the farm. I grew up raising, you know, fruits and produce. And I am all about dirt owning that land under your feet. Um, and that's that's an asset. And I, and I think that arable land is only going to become more and more limited and more and more valuable. And that's why that was just such a strong push for us during the COVID situation when everybody was on lockdown, because it was something that they could sink their teeth into and feel good about that they're not only you know, going to have that land, them, you know, as, as it continues to, to grow and be in high demand for production of food to feed the world's population, but um, also that they are producing something that is helping the world and feeding people. And so it, it became a real huge um, high demand item. So what types of crops are grown um, in Panama? Oh, my goodness. You have everything from uh, fruits and vegetables, of course, but um, primarily you're looking at things like pineapples and and dragon fruit and um, avocados and limes and melons, uh, all kinds of different melons, coffee, you know, uh, those types of things. But primarily your your primary um, produce is going to be fruit. Uh, What what um, 
what facility is there to manage these properties if you don't live there yet? Do you have a management company? Uh, we have we have what's called uh, a rever- reverse co-ops, uh, companies that we work with that are large farming companies that have been in the farming industry for many, many years. Um, and they actually turn around and sell plots of land, which they call Finca's Farms, to individuals that will be as small as one hectare, uh, which is two and a half acres, 2.47 acres. And um, they manage everything and the profits are split 70% to the owner, 30% to the farmers. Um, and, and so that's why it's, it's so simple because it's not like you're buying the farm and you have to show up and buy the, the tractors and learn how to, you know, to plant and grow and harvest and all that. It's all already being done as we speak. So we just take people out to the farms, let them see the farms. They get to visit the greenhouses, the farms, the different types of fruit produce. And they decide if they want to be involved. And if so, what types of produce do they want to be involved with? And what kind of return is on that type of investment? <clears throat> Again, it depends on what you're looking at, but typically you're looking at a 10 to 15% on a ROR. Um, and um, these are based on our internal rate of return because you're not going to have any return when you're planting trees this year, next year. It's going to take you four years to start having production on those at least four years. And again, a lot of things come into fact, factor like the weather and and droughts and floods and stuff like that. But we don't have a lot of that there. You don't have a whole lot of natural disasters in Panama. So um, it's a lot more um, secure and safe than a lot of areas of farming. So what's, what, what, what's the political environment there? Is it stable? It's a, it's a democracy, just like in the United States. They have a presidential election every five years. And so is that why you decided to set up VIP tours for about 14 people at a time in Panama? What made you decide to do that, these um, investments in the farms? No, no, I have been doing that since 2012 when I got there. In fact, we did these types of things in Costa Rica. And my belief is boots on the ground. If you're going to invest in something, come see it, feel it, touch it, taste it. Um, See what you're what you're looking at put your hands on it, talk to the developers, get a feel for what you're doing. Take, don't take my word for it. Yes, I'm invested in it and I can show you all the projects and properties I'm invested in, but I want you to come and see for yourself what it is that you're investing in and feel good about it. Um, like I said, there's not a one-stop shop. It's not one size fits all. Everybody needs to come and look at what's right for them. And my program is an education program. It's not a sales program. I want people to come and understand investing internationally and and basic investing strategies and how to evaluate what's best for their portfolio. What are they wanting to accomplish and look at their game plan for the next five years. And then we back into based on what you want to accomplish in the next five years, what do we need to do today to get you to where you ultimately want to be? And so I am an educator and, and that's where my passion and my love is. Real estate just happens to be the vehicle. Uh, what about a resale? Uh, it, let's say somebody owns a piece of property for five years and for whatever reason they need to sell. How, how do they go about doing that? Well, first they'll come to me and through my organization and our team, we'll try to sell it for them. And because we have so many people coming in all the time, we typically can turn around and sell a, a property for somebody because we've got people looking for what they're selling. Um, especially within our market, because the people that we are bringing in is looking for the type of stuff that we do. 
Um, and if we can't, then we'll turn them over to an actual local realtor. We do have a, a number that we recommend there. They can go out and get their own. They don't have to use our recommendations. We do have an entire power team put together, and we recommend you know, everything from uh, the right real estate attorney to the right accountant to whatever for whatever their needs might be. We don't, we don't make a dime off of those. We, we give them our recommendations. They're the people that we've used, that we've gone through and found the best of the best over the time that we've been there. And if they want to use them, fine. If they want to go find their own, that's fine as well. Um, but it's a turnkey program. It's A to Z. Everything you need from buying the furniture to doing the rental to the property management to the maintenance to um, getting your dog there to purchasing a car. We teach everybody how to do everything that's wanting to, to make that transition as an expat. So explain to me if I were interested in one of your tours, how does, how does that work? Very simple. We charge uh, a flat fee in everything from the time your feet hit the ground at the airport till the time you leave. We pick you up, we take you back, um, and uh, your transportation is included, your accommodations are included. It's an educational tour. Now, we don't sit in a classroom. It is true boots on the ground. We put you on a bus and off we go. Um, and we are running hard for day one and day two, and then on day three, it's a half a day of uh, going through and recapping everything that we've done, answering any questions as a group, and then I'll meet with every individual couple or person one-on-one -on -one the rest of that afternoon. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's truly a training environment. Now, I really have no concern if anybody is interested in investing here or not. They may be concerned or are looking to invest in Portugal or Belize, or you know, the United States or Canada. It doesn't make any difference. The education that we teach can be used anywhere. It's knowledge. Knowledge is power if it's properly applied. And so um, what I teach is real estate strategies. And um, the reason that we focus on Panama and what we teach in this is if you're going to be investing international, here's a lot of things that you need to know to make sure that those investments are solid, strong investments for your portfolio. Are you restricted at all to, to selling Americans real estate without certain regulatory hurdles to jump? You know, California, for example, has got regulations for everything. Uh, can you talk to a California resident without having a prospectus or some other kind of disclosure? Yes, this is this is not uh, like a, a read or a, you know an investment in a five hundred six Reg D or anything like that. It is, they're purchasing real estate. Um, and so we're just showing them real estate options and opportunities um, and educating them on real estate strategies. If that's all there is to it. Now, do you have to be licensed in Panama in any way? Um, I am not a real estate um, agent. I am an educator. And in Panama, you, if you want to be a realtor, which I am not a realtor, I'm an educator, big difference. Um, you do have to become a licensed real estate agent in Panama. And if you're an American, you have to go through a lot of extra steps to do that. Um, and it's a, it's a long drawn out process, but um, that, that is for people that wanna go work for Keller Williams or you know, some of the local realtor firms. And that's not, that's not what we do. You're listening, so then, to, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Community Matters Radio Real Estate. The Sports Lounge with Big Lou. Money Talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Teen Sports Radio. Golf Radio Radio Show. Show. Community Alert. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. When CSUCI presents About Education. The Farm to Table Hour. Around the World. The Jeremiah Show. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Cork and Fork Radio Show. Tell me your story. KZSB. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Evie, at the last end of the last segment, we were talking about how you're an educator as opposed to a realtor in Panama. So how do you get compensated for your work? And is that something that an individual that's purchasing pays you or how does that, how does it all work? Well, there's two, two sides of that. As far as the tours and, and, and wanting to be involved in the education that we do, the actual buyer or investor would pay for those expenses. And basically, it is just covering their cost of their transportation, their hotel, their food, the accommodations, that kind of stuff. They have to pay to get there and then, uh, you know, their flights and then everything else is included. As far as when we are marketing for developers um, or we have um, contracts with other companies, um, they are paying us consultant fee or a marketing fee. And so if somebody who's listening is interested in um, exploring the option of buying real estate in Panama, whether it be agricultural or, or residential, how would they go about contacting you and what would be the first steps? First step would be to go to Evie Brooks Panama, E-V-I-E Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S Panama.com. And that is just a, basically a short video splash page to be able to just start getting the information from there. Once they give us their information, we will have a personal one-on-one call with them. Um, that call will typically be a 15 to 30 minute call, the first one, and we'll do two of those. Um, if this is right for them with a homework assignment for the second call. And so that is the best way to get started to see if somebody is, you know, if this is right for their portfolio for what they're looking for. And then we just start working through it with them from that point. 
Is there debt available? Can you lever these things? Absolutely. This is a great question. I'm glad you asked that because we haven't brought that up. But um, the programs that I have put together with our developers is structured for investors. And so they can put down 10, 20 or 30 percent down, depending on the project and the, the, the level of completion of the project. And the developer will carry the financing on them through our program. This is a program that I've decided that I've created since I've been there in 2012. Many developers won't even talk to us about it or they wouldn't in the beginning. Now they all come to us and say, please, please, you know, consider us. But um, it's structured so that it's a non-recourse loan. They do not have to have any uh, specific FICO scores or credit requirements. There's no debt to income ratios. I can have somebody this time tomorrow in a contract, signed, sealed, and delivered, and ready to go if they wired their, their deposit, whether it's 10% or 20% down. So it's a very simple, easy process to be able to do this. So there really isn't much underwriting in order to do nope. it. There is no underwriting to do it. And so who's taking the risk, the developers? Developers. And the risk is, you know, that they put down 10, 20 or 30 percent, depending on the project, the location and, and a number of different things. Um, if they default, they default and the developer gets the project back. They have no problem reselling them. Interesting. OK, well, good. Well, Evie, you know, um, before we, we uh you know, leave and thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, any lessons, any advice? I just think if you're going to be doing this, whether it's locally in your backyard or whether it's internationally, is that you make sure you're, you, you've got the proper power team put together and you surround yourself with people that know more than you do about what you're, what you're wanting to accomplish, because that way you're assured to be, are most likely to have success. If you just jump in this, you think you can read a few books and go out and figure this out. I'm going to tell you from personal experience, that's how I did it to start with. That is not the answer. Um, I would suggest that you really have the right mentor and the right um, support to help you get started and, and be able to have the success that you're looking to have. Well, thank you so much, uh, Evie Brooks. And thank you all for listening to Money Talk. And we'll see you all next week. 